Hey, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, and today's episode is an on-air coaching call with the awesome Elena Queller. Elena is one of the founding members of the Cat and Dog Coexistence Club, and I'm so excited for you all to meet her. So, a few different things that you want to talk about. All right. So I think for my end, then I feel like the big things I'm kind of working on lately would be like uh, making time to play with and spend time with the cats, like a little bit of enrichment, but also more just like making them more part of my like daily routine and like yeah. trying to and like pay attention to their needs a little bit more. So like that's I think that's one thing that like we could talk about and like ask some questions about. Otherwise, you know, there's always questions about like the dog and cat interaction, like with Piper, I guess, doing, doing a little bit, taking more of like a little bit more of an active approach to, to make an effort to give them some face time. And so I'm, I kind of think like a lot about like, what's the best way to like, ensure we're putting the least stress on everyone during those times, because I think those training sessions are a little bit stressful. Um but mm-hmm. I do feel like it's important because we've been, I mean, I've had Piper about a year now. And so over the year, we've kind of been, I'm kind of been letting them lead the way, the cats and the dogs. Well, there's only one dog and two cats. So the cats and the dog, singular dog. Um, I've kind of been letting them kind of try to get used to each other, um, see each other naturally, and then, you know, reward calm behavior and capture that behavior. But since they're so separate, and there's a good management in my in my apartment. I do think that uh, they have become they've outsmarted me in a way where they're uh, just very good at avoiding each other. Yeah, I think that's a perfect thing to work on is really trying to figure out like, okay, we're kind of at the setups stage, definitely um, of the of the pets process, right? That's kind of like the the last stage. You've started teaching some good foundation behaviors. And then now we're saying, okay, how can we bring the animals together strategically to make sure that we're in control of the interaction as well as minimizing stress for everyone? So let's talk about a little bit about what you are already doing in terms of setups and then how we might be able to optimize those. Um, It might turn out that we need to go back a few steps um, or tweak a few things to make them less stressful and more effective. So what's the, mm-hmm. what's the last setup that you did? Can you describe what the, what it looked like? Yes. So the last setup that I did was putting actually Ziggy, my, um, older or younger male cat, actually, he's the younger of all the cats and he's probably the most courageous in a way, more social, so the last setup that I did was putting him in a crate and then putting him a crate, another fence around the crate and then having a leash on Piper um, and just letting them have a little bit of a conversation there, which is very interesting. And then really focusing on Piper's body language and rewarding her when she would ease up and relax and show control and sitting um, or disengaging. 
rewarding those types of behaviors and giving her a little bit of exposure to this animal that she knows nothing about. And obviously that's not ideal for Ziggy, who's pretty stressed out there in the kennel. And I know, yeah, he's pretty upset about that. But my feeling here is that with Ziggy, I don't want to, I don't like invading their space. I don't like going into the, like oftentimes another setup would be we go into the kitchen where they eat and have a cat tree and and hang out a lot and I, I feel that is a safe space for them and they love the cat tree and and I don't want them to really feel stressed about using the cat tree if they're worried that Piper and I will just barge in there any moment and start looking at them so I almost prefer I'm kind of learning I mean I'm feeling like I want to try this new setup where I'm using more of a neutral space and I know it's stressful for Ziggy and I'm, I want to brainstorm ways of that I can reduce that stress for him because even in one session with Piper, I do actually feel like I was we're seeing a little bit of progress, which translates into the house where the cats are getting more comfortable walking through the hallway and Piper will see them. And now that she sees them a little bit more frequently, even though it's kind of a forced interaction, it's not such a shock and it gives me an extra moment to rush to her side and reward that behavior and capture that. Whereas before... Um, when she would never get the chance to see the cats, seeing them in the hallway would immediately result in her rushing at the gate or even hearing them in the hallway rushing at the gate. And uh, then the cats would run and she would only want to run more. So just trying to break that cycle. Right. It was a big event. <laughs> it was a very big event. So that yeah. event is becoming less big, which is turning out to be a really good thing um, for everybody. I think it's making uh, the hallway a less stressful place for the cats. Good. So where did this kennel setup occur? In the living so room? So this occurred in the living room, yes. So that's Piper's, quote, it's sort of her space. where she Sort of is her space, yeah. I guess, I guess you could say it's her space. But I really would like that to become the community shared space. Yeah, I guess that's a, an interesting question. Does Piper yeah. need a safe space? Um, my thought thinking too was that like her crate, her kennel is kind of her safe space. And so I actually use a different kennel to put Ziggy into because um, I didn't want her to feel like, okay, cats are invading my, my only safe space. So uh, maybe, I don't know. Is that okay thinking? Yes. So if you're going to use a kennel for that a cat is allowed to go in, it should not be the dog's kennel. So good. Okay, that's good. Check on that. Um, and Piper's safe space, you could make the kennel less accessible to cats for the future, like covering it or even putting a gate around it to have that double layer of management. So once you are sharing the living room, that the cats are less likely to try to go into her crate. But that's, you know, further down mm -hmm. the line. So I think you're fine in saying, okay, I live in a one-bedroom apartment or a two-bedroom apartment. I don't even remember. Yeah, just one. <laughs> um, one-bedroom apartment. And so, you know, there's only so many places that safe spaces can occur. I'm going to prioritize the cats having their own space. And Piper will have her crate inside the living room and the cats aren't always going to be in the living room. So it's a pretty mm -hmm. good compromise. So let's talk a little bit about the pros and the cons of the setup that you mm -hmm. did already. Something really good is that you had, you actually had three layers of management. So good on you. And so even though Ziggy couldn't leave, there was no chance of anything negative happening to him physically. So that's good. 
Number two is you had Piper on a leash and therefore unable to move forward too much, right? So if we're thinking about threshold distance, we want to make sure that we are maintaining as much distance as possible so that the animals are as unstressed as possible within the confines of the fact that you have a living room that is Mm -hmm. X dimensions. Um, (laughs) So my question is, how far away were they? Yeah, about as far as I could get them. I mean, not more than 20 feet, to be honest. I, I don't know if my living room is really that large, maybe 30 feet, I don't know. But the reality is like, this is definitely a little bit of an over threshold situation for both of them. Right. So I, I definitely understand that, that they're not like, yeah, they're not, I'm not really able to to have that distance as a tool. Um, right. And I think that I've learned that about this entire apartment, though, because the biggest distance I can get is maybe 100 feet in the hallway. Um, It's not really it doesn't allow me enough control over the situation to use the training, like to use it as a training opportunity. Right. In and of itself, you can't say, "Okay, we're going to use distance as the only thing that I can manipulate in order to make the threshold, like make sure that the animals are all under under threshold. Right. And even even with that distance, they would still be over threshold pretty much. Right. But with that being said, I think the the focus is really on Piper in this scenario setup. And and I do see her disengage and turn away. And that's really great. And so I am starting to see um, a little bit of her body language relax. And I'm just looking for like a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I'm rewarding that. And we're, I'm looking for a little bit of progress each time with her. And then, and then I really, my hope or my plan is that eventually, you know, she can become a bit more desensitized, or at least even if she still gets excited, she can learn how to control that excitement around the cat. And that will in turn make the cats more comfortable um, by her lack of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a reciprocal relationship between the cat's confidence if the dog is showing that she's trustworthy. So it does make sense to focus the majority of your attention within a setup on one particular focal animal. We do want to make sure that we are thinking about the other one as well. And so here's what I think is both a pro and a con for your setup. Mm -hmm. One is you had as much distance as possible laterally. They were both on the floor, Mm -hmm. right? But we know that Ziggy likes being up on his cat tree in the kitchen. So I wonder if you can actually get more distance physically Mm -hmm. by having her on the ground because that's where dogs hang out and him up in the corner in that same corner that you were doing, you had the kennel, Mm -hmm. but if he's up, then a, you have more distance because it's a triangle instead of a straight line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you physically have more distance, but you also have the psychological distance for Ziggy to feel more comfortable in that scenario because a, we already know he likes being up and feels more comfortable seeing her from an up perspective. And you're also um, adding that other layer of she can't get to him Mm -hmm. if he is up there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is that still a layer of management? Because my concern would be, if I take away the kennel that he's in, is that removing a layer of management? And and am I opening up the situation to more risk? Even if I still use, I have kind of like an X-pen type gate I could surround um, the cat tree with that in the corner, and then we would be in the distance. And and yeah, I want I would that be just as safe as in the kennel? 
it sounds like potentially yes if they's up high because Piper can't get up there. Yeah. So I think of cat trees as kind of like a half layer okay. of management. <laughs> right. Because if the cat is comfortable, they won't move from there because they're in a position of relative safety. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have the dog on a leash and you have a X pen barrier in in around the cat tree. Mm-hmm. So that if the cat really did need to escape, they could jump down and there would still be that layers Mm -hmm. of management in between. But it's unlikely that they will do that. Yeah, because (laughs) they would be have to be in like full on flea Mm -hmm. mode in order to do that. So if you had the X Pen and Piper on a leash, then you would have two and a half layers of management, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is still really good. Okay. And you've been working on Piper's settling on her mat Mm -hmm. as well in that living room space, Mm -hmm. right? Or in her bed. So if you cue that behavior or try to capture as much of that behavior as possible, that's going to give her the scaffolding as well to say, oh, when I see Kat... All I have to do is go do this behavior that mom has reinforced for me thousands and thousands of times. Mm, that's smart. Yeah. She's more likely to offer those calmer behaviors because she doesn't have to think as much about those. So what I would recommend is making sure that you kind of, before you bring the cat out, we're working on the, in, in the setups kind of steps, mini milestones that I've laid out. This is the first one, which is there's barrier in between and both animals are stationed. Mm -hmm. So we're ideally, no one is really moving. I mean, they might get up, change positions, but no one is moving forward. No one has freedom of movement around Mm -hmm. the space. So everyone is being reinforced for at the most calmly looking at each other, looking away, offering any kind of calm behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that way you have as much control as possible and you're as untriggering as possible and you're getting the best chance for the animals to offer those calm behaviors because those have been highly reinforced in other contexts when they're not together. Right. So we know Ziggy up on his tree relaxes. Yes. He's been known to do that. Right? <laughs> yes, they like the tree Piper, Yeah, Piper in her bed has been known to relax. And therefore, if we ask for those behaviors or semblances of those behaviors when they're around, that's where you're going to start to see a desensitization, but it has an operant base, Mm -hmm. right? You're saying, when you see this cat, here's a good behavior to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It will will help you out um, to do this behavior or other adjacent behaviors Mm -hmm. like shifting your weight back. You know, she doesn't have to be in a downstay Mm -hmm. necessarily. Any kind of going to relax on her bed-esque behaviors are reinforceable in this situation. Mm -hmm. And then you would be with her, obviously holding her leash and reinforcing her. But what's great about the setup of having Ziggy have the freedom outside of the kennel to move around is that even though you technically don't want him to move and he probably won't, he does have the choice to move Mm -hmm. and choice is a primary reinforcer. 
So if you take his choice away by putting him in the kennel, Mm -hmm. that's going to give him more stress, even though the behaviors are the same. Mm -hmm. Like you are confined in some way. Please don't move. Right. (laughs) He's still confined a little bit at the top of the cat tree but he could technically move and therefore he is more likely to be reinforced by his own choice to stay up there. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. And I think that, um, I think that makes a lot of sense because I was thinking about it in terms of Piper. She has a choice. Um, and she, when she chooses to disengage, she, uh, will go towards the front door and I reward that mm-hmm. by um, we go outside and we go on like a short decompression walk. Um, we go walk around the block and I just kind of let her walk loose and sniff as much grass as she wants. And then we would come back and kind of repeat the um, the setup. And I, as you were saying, at least we want to give, we don't want to take away that choice from Ziggy. Um, maybe just it made me think about how Piper has a choice and how it makes so much sense for her and um how I definitely should be offering a choice to Ziggy as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I want I don't want to be creating such a negative relationship in Ziggy's head. I think I tend to like tend to assume that Ziggy will be very forgiving of me when with throughout all of this. And he might. Yeah, and he might. I hope so. But I I think you're right though in in the regard where if if we get ahead of it here, I can give Ziggy an opportunity to. To like do a little bit of the work at the same time that I'm working with Piper, I could kind of also be working with Ziggy in a maybe not to such um, an intense degree, but it will be. Uh, I can do a little bit now to save me from more work later too. Um, exactly. One concern I do have about the cat tree, though, is if I move it to the living room, you'll need another one. I'm then taking it out of the kitchen. I have to get a second one. Oh my God. No, you'll need another, you'll need another one. Yeah, you need another one and You're it right. should be there anyway because eventually you want the animals to, to share the space and that's going to be the safest place for the cats to hang out. Yeah. And so you want to start reinforcing them up on their living room cat tree. So I was going to say one thing that you can do to kind of prep for this setup is to put Piper away or have her somewhere else, (laughs) maybe out on a walk with a friend or whatever. And Mm -hmm. you bring the cats in and show them their new tree in the living room, right? They know Piper is not in the house and therefore they will be more likely to come out and explore. And if they go up on their tree, they get heavily reinforced for that behavior. So you've already started laying the reinforcement foundation Mm -hmm. for Ziggy to stay up on that tree when Piper is in the room. If the first time he sees that tree is with Piper, Piper's also there and we're expecting him to stay there, that could go either way. But if we put a lot of, if we put some money into that, that tree's bank Mm -hmm. ahead of time, you can be more comfortable in assuming that he will hang out there because it's been reinforced in the mm-hmm. past. Yeah, no, this is a great idea. I definitely feel like I've had some of these thoughts before and now putting them together and centering them around a second cat tree is making a lot of sense because even I thought I had this thought for the kennel. I was like, I should try to make Ziggy like the kennel. I'll try to feed him in there and make him feel comfortable in there. Um, but then I'm kind of like, you know, he's he's never going to use that kennel other than for this one specific setup. So that's just not realistic. Like he's never going to choose to go in that kennel, but it would make sense for something like a cat tree where like eventually he might 
he probably will choose to go on that cat treat if because it's it obviously a way more appealing uh, thing. So I definitely think this is a great idea and looking forward to buying a second cat tree for sure. <laughs> I think I'm going to be so yeah. chewed out by my friends. One bedroom apartment, a dog, two cats, now two cat trees. <laughs> hey, that's, I mean. Do what you got to do. <laughs> that's the only way for that living room to be safe for the cats though, right? Eventually like looking towards, okay, what does coexistence look like to you? The cats will still have the bedroom as their safe space. But like, let's say you want to sit on the couch and watch TV, right? God forbid. And all the <laughs> and all the animals are in the living room. Where ideally would the animals be in your mind? Well, right? I mean, in a perfect scenario, you know, Piper would be on the floor in her bed and the cats would feel comfortable enough to walk up onto the couch. But um, originally when I bought the first cat tree, the intent was to have it in the living room because I was very aware that they will feel comfortable higher up. Right. But I put it in the living room and then obviously they weren't coming out. So I put it in the kitchen where they would actually use it. But I think, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you that like there needs to be now a second cat tree in the living room, which was originally in the plan anyway. So just kind of bringing that yeah. back into focus here. Yeah, it's really nice to just say, okay, where am I going or where am I trying to go? Can mm -hmm. I have these mini steps all add up to that final picture? Obviously, if there's mini steps that need to kind of deviate and go laterally, if, if we decided that the kennel was the right idea, even though it's not fully in the picture at the end, then we would do that. Mm -hmm. But the shortest way from A to B is a straight line. So if we can design steps that will eventually get you coexistence, not necessarily the final ideal thing of like everyone sitting on the couch together or near the couch together, um, that would be like extra bonus, but mm -hmm. at least having everyone comfortable and in the same room is at least, is, you know, the, the first end result. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, I ideally, I, my plan from after this first setup is once we can get Piper to be calm and relaxed and kind of more in that operant state of mind of like, okay, yeah, I, I know I can listen to my commands and pay attention to a lever or to a place command um, and not worry too much about the cats. Uh, I would really like to start actually putting her in the crate and then giving the cats some freedom in the living room. Um, and working kind of the opposite and where she has to stay calm in her in her kennel this time and the cats get to come out and and have quality time with me or um or just like kind of get used to the living room again because it's been a whole year since they've really been able to spend a significant amount of time out here um, you have hit naturally on step phase 1.2 of the setups nice. <laughs> which is um, you know, strategically having one animal stationed mm -hmm. and the others behind a barrier moving in a controlled way mm -hmm. around the space. Mm -hmm. So whether that is having the cats go from one target to another or you are playing with them in a calm way for them to be over here and then you call them over here to get some treats or whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't have complete freedom to do whatever they want mm -hmm. because that's too big of a jump for the okay. animal that has to, that is Well, stationed. and I would probably use that X-Pen again to block them off from getting too close to Piper's crate. Exactly. 
so yeah, that, that definitely is like the progression I have in mind here. Um, and I'm happy to hear that's like in line with um, something you would recommend. Yep. I have a, a handout that has that lays out kind of the steps of the different setups. And I don't give it out necessarily at the beginning because I want us to focus on each phase and make sure that we're really good at each phase before we move on. But it is good to kind of see generally where you're going. Mm -hmm. Have a good sense of the progression between the easiest setups, no one's really moving, and then towards everyone having freedom but behind a barrier. Mm -hmm. Then phase two is the same exact steps but with no barriers. Mm -hmm. But Anyway, that's, we'll, we'll check in once we're closer to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I would love if you could, you know, set up a tripod for the time, first times you do these setups and mm-hmm. see if we can get some footage and then we can troubleshoot them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to actually. I, I, do, ha- I do have a video camera and a tripod, which it's really for um, work, but, but I don't use it that much for work. Um, I use it like on a project basis and, and I'm over here with my phone and I'm thinking like I never use my phone and that and I just kind of thought like I should just use the the camera the real camera to set up on the tripod I can run it for if if it takes us an hour every time we do the setup or 30 minutes like I could just run it that whole 30 minutes and then and then yeah like share it with with you and share it on social media and really try to use that to my advantage because because I do think it's really helpful to um you know see that body language and to like see what's going on see what I'm doing and see what I miss and, and get better that way and make sure like make sure you know I'm seeing progress as I'm doing it and then also after the fact that I'm looking at it um easy to get like wrapped up in the moment yeah you can't notice everything especially if you're one person working on two animals mm-hmm. so it's you have to video it so that you can say oh I could have been paying attention to this maybe I'll pay more attention to it next time but it's not it's a could have not a should have Right. That's a very important. I think it's also um just like I'm learning. That's what I've been thinking about a lot lately as like working on training with Piper and working on the cats. Like as much as they're learning how to coexist, I'm also learning a lot of new things here. Mm-hmm. So it's important to you know take advantage of those tools we have available to us to improve our own skills. Exactly. But yeah, I'll definitely share some of that footage with you. Yeah, my plan is definitely, my plan is really actually to record every session. I'm starting a new job in two weeks. So I have kind of two weeks here of transitional time. um, And I would like to do the setup once per day. Do you think that's too much? That is something that the animals will tell you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's fine as kind of a baseline of saying like, great, that seems good. The amount of time that each session will last is also going to be important. So starting shorter and then making things longer if the animal's body language is indicating that they're just chilling and they're like really Mm -hmm. you're not having to micromanage them as much then you can go longer but start short get longer and then if we're really showing stress behaviors then take a few days off to both retool the next session and also to give them a little bit of decompression time Mm mm-hmm Definitely. Yeah, I think so far what we only did really one setup like that so far and Piper in the moment she definitely seemed a little stressed. Maybe it was excitement, you know, her just how she is, I guess, kind of anxious. 
But afterwards, you know, I didn't see major stress signals beyond that session. She, once the cat was out, she kind of had a little bit of a thing where she was like looking around. Is it still in? Is it still in the living room? Like, is Ziggy still around? And then once she decided no, it was like totally chill. So I feel like that was good. Um, but I need to also pay attention to the cats to make sure that they are not really stressed out. Because Jinx, I'm not even putting Jinx in this setup because um, she's 17. And I'm like, girl, I'm. <laughs> I'm not putting you through that. I'll put you through that like when uh when Piper is a little bit more in a controlled way. And actually Jinx is doing really well lately um with some of the setups even just in the kitchen. She we've gotten to a really good point now where Jinx is actually really confident walking through the hallway. Great. And I removed that layer of management with the blanket. I used to have a blanket over the over the um gate, mm-hmm. but I, I felt we were ready to remove it and we uh, are doing really well with it. And Piper will see Jinx and let her walk through the hall. And it's even been a couple of times too where, well, and I sit here, I stay here at work all day and I, there's just a jar of peanut butter. So anytime the cat walks through and Piper, if she spots the cat, I, gra- I give, grab the peanut butter and start giving her a little peanut butter. Um, and Jinx is at the point where she will kind of freeze actually to take a few extra moments and like, look, I'm like, gonna i'm gonna keep looking at you since you're not doing anything um i feel Mm -hmm. like that's so great for jinx that she's calmed down and not but ziggy on the other hand he's still darting yeah he's running (laughs) but he's like trying to have fun out of it too i think he's more uh a little bit tricky that one yeah i i think that's that's important for jinx she's information gathering and learning that Piper's behavior is more trustworthy and predictable. And that's the beauty of these setups as well, is to provide a clear context in which the other animal's behavior is relative, relatively predictable, and that will increase the each animal's confidence, just mm-hmm. like you're seeing with the hallway. Because you've been reinforcing Piper for calmness around the even I think at the beginning when the blanket was up there, it was just when she heard the sound of the cats moving, she got mm-hmm. reinforced for any kind of calmness, right? And so that's one of the reasons that you saw that progression of being able to then add the visual stimulus by taking the blanket away because you didn't have to have both of those things going on at the same time. That was too much for Piper at the time. But now mm-hmm. since you worked on the, the auditory part of it, adding the visual was definitely the next step. And then now Jinx can trust that the gate is there. <laughs> right. Piper is you almost us- always eating peanut butter next to you while, <laughs> while she's around mm-hmm. and therefore can take those few seconds to breathe, look at the dog and then mosey on her way. So. Right. Yeah. It's definitely been good to see Jinx responding in that way. Um, so that's another reason why I'm like, yeah, Ziggy, you can, you're young, you can handle the, the stressful setups. Jinx, though, I don't know, I can't do it to her. She's And she's already on her own. She's doing good on her own. I mean, maybe, honestly, though, maybe that's why, you know, Ziggy gets in these stressful setups. So, so of course, anytime he has to walk through the hallway, he's going to run. Um, whereas Jinx, she's not going through those stressful things. So she has a different kind of perspective. I don't know. So if you optimize the setups as much as you can, thinking about Ziggy's stress levels. Mm-hmm then you might start to see a change in his behavior outside of the setups as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good, that's definitely a good thing I should pay more attention to. 
because um, I never thought about it like that in terms of Ziggy being more, maybe he's more stressed out and that's why he behaves a little bit differently than Jinx. So yeah, I'm definitely going to look for a cool cat tree for the living room. Gotta, <laughs> I got to do some rearranging in here apparently because yeah, there's only so many things that will fit in this one bedroom apartment. <laughs> but we can do it. The people listening to this cannot see, but I think that the corner near your fireplace is going to be ideal. For the cat tree? Yeah. Where that little workbench is. Yeah, where the... On the left side or the right side? I got this one, this um, one, or this one? The, the TV side. Yeah, so that's also where the front door is. And so yeah. we do like to... I like to want to keep that compression walk kind of built into each of the setups. So... You probably can't really see, but kind of right here, that's where Piper's bed is, but it's kind of just an empty corner. That would probably be the best spot. So then Piper has been reinforced heavily for hanging out in that particular corner on her bed. It's really her bed, though. Like, definitely that corner is, like, a good spot for her to be, re- like, she has been reinforced there. But we, I take her bed to other places, and she knows that com- place command still. So I could move the bed, I think. And she would be okay. I'd ideally move it before we put the cat tree there. Um, yeah. So all I'm saying is if you decide to rearrange, make sure to get to do a few sessions of relax for her in the bed in its new location so that she's able to do that mm-hmm. um, during the setup, just like you would be re- rehearsing with Ziggy, go up to the cat tree, hang out there for a few minutes. Right. Do that a few times before bringing them together. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely do that if I if I shift around things here. Definitely will make that make that part of uh part of the plan. Great. Sounds good to me. You've got lots of awesome things to work on. Definitely. And I look forward to seeing the uh progress that you made. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate your help. Definitely feel like there's always so much. There's always like so many little things, but I'm optimistic. I'm feeling like a lot of momentum from some of these setups. I feel like this this is the most progress I've seen in a shorter time period than than over the whole year I've had uh, all three of them. So uh, so that's really encouraging. And I appreciate like everything that you helped me with. And it does take time, you know, and that's been probably the hardest part is the patience. Yeah. And the thing is that if you, you know, you're on the last step of the process, these setups, if you didn't take the time to work on honing your management making sure the animals are enriched and training these relatively solid foundation behaviors, the setups would go poorly and you wouldn't be seeing progress Mm -hmm. as much as you are because there's some predictability and reliability in the scaffolding that you've given them to give them the coping skills to be able to learn around each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's the the big thing is that, you know, if you don't give them the skills they need, then we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. It could go, could go fine, could go really poorly. And I think that's the, the issue of at the beginning, just kind of like let them work it out. Like, yes, sometimes it could go okay, but you don't know. And yeah. therefore <laughs> you're taking a big chance. Mm-hmm. Totally. So at least, you know, taking the time to make sure that those Um, initial steps are really gone through strategically now when the real the real work begins bringing them together in a way that is uh, systematic everything kind of falls into place yeah I'm I'm like honestly really looking forward to it I'm really excited about all this because because you're right like I think that 
even little things like me telling Piper to like sit and lay down. She's so like quick to respond to those in a variety of different settings that she does listen to me when I ask her to sit now in front of the cats, even though she's like, like kind of going bonkers. Like she can still hear that command and she can still lay down and she can, we can still really focus, like get her into a calm state of mind. And I can't imagine like if I didn't have that control or that like relationship with her and I let her like, yeah, see the cats like I, it would be it, yeah like it'd be pointless it would be very uh it wouldn't have as much of a, a positive intention or like such a clear direction I think mm-hmm. so yeah I totally I definitely resonate with what like I relate to what you're saying I think that's I think that's good advice it's definitely something that I think your your training and like your group has really made me get more comfortable with that like I think when I first had the animals, I was like, okay, we got, I want to ha- make this happen in one year and it's going to be great. We're all going to live harmonious in one year. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And here we are one year later. And I sometimes beat myself up. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't done enough. Like people are still stressed sometimes. We still have little things where Piper will like bark at the cats and I'm like, oh, so frustrating. But then coming to a place where a lot of other people are dealing with the same frustrations is really helpful because it's like, it's okay. We got time. Yeah, time. Yeah, time. And look back at where you started. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's worth it. Totally Q, worth it. Cue Hamilton. Cue mm-hmm. <laughs> who? Cue the Hamilton song. Look at where you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a copyright infringement. Sorry. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Strike it from the record. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I do like Yay. Hamilton. Uh, yeah, thank you. for. I hope, I hope this was a good conversation for the podcast, too. I. Um, it's perfect. It was a coaching conversation. It was definitely good. It It helped me a lot, actually. I did get some valuable coaching from it, so thank you. Um, Oh, good. That's the whole, that's the point. (laughs) No, I'm not doing this for the podcast. It's literally like, I want to help you. Oh, thank you. Well, and the podcast is helpful, too. I really liked, um, I really liked the episodes. The one episode about the, I think it was a border collie um, getting introduced. Um, Oh, uh, Alexa. Yes, I think so. She's a healer. Oh, a healer. But yeah. yeah. Another herding dog. Another yeah. herding dog. Yeah. I, I like that one a lot. I think I just recently listened to that one. I, I like the stories and the case studies. Yeah. Those ones are fun. I'm glad you're liking it. Definitely. I listen I'm to having them. a great time doing it. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> like, I'm glad. if I could, you know, if this is the way I end up working, I'm totally happy about that. Make I like podcast. talking to people. Yeah, definitely. And I like listening to people's, I like hearing other people's experiences for sure, especially regarding this topic because it's so niche. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of content out there about it. Thank you for spending your time with me. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We'll be in touch. I'll definitely keep you posted on videos and and stuff that I take. Yeah, if you do, then I can post them in the bonus content area so people can see the setups that we're talking about would be great. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you again. Um, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs and made you think about how your life with your pets might improve, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss my next conversation. And if you want help making a plan to get your own pets to coexist, download my free guide to my pets process. It details the four phases that I take all of my clients through with step-by-step instructions. You'll be able to develop your own training program for your pets 
so they can live together peacefully. You can get access to that guide by going to praiseworthypets.com slash guide. That's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. <laughs>